Hi, I'm Amy Porter. Some of you know me as a flutist and a classical musician, others as a professor, and some of you know me as a publisher and arranger. I'm a stepmom, I'm a business owner, and I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. And this is my podcast. My core mission as an entrepreneur is to appreciate what I have around me. And then I try and see as clearly as possible how I can help. So let's talk. Let's share information. Let's laugh and sometimes cry over the things that we have to work through in life and in music, in business and family and relationships. Come on into my Porter Flute pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. This is episode 17. We're going to talk about brownies and ice cream. Okay, well, we're going to talk about pairings like brownies and ice cream for etudes and pieces. Producers Alan J. Tomasetti and Justine Sedke want us to remember that we need to keep the pieces and the etudes working together. We asked guest Dr. Maria Fernanda Castillo to join us in the conversation. She just received her doctorate from the University of Michigan, and she's the assistant professor of flute at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. She wants to make sure we're keeping a contextualization of why we would play certain etudes to assist in learning other pieces. So I went to the vault and found that piece that would remind us of a chocolate brownie, the Cecile Chaminade Concertino. With me in the vault playing piano is Brian Pizzoni in Los Angeles. Welcome to the podcast. Go get your ice cream scoop. Here on Porter Flute Pod, we want to feature a solo piece, a chamber piece, an orchestral excerpt, every etude podcast. And we want to figure out the difficult passages in that work and then talk about which etudes can remedy the issue, like matching tone and atmosphere, and not just matching the keys with the piece. That's too easy. Dr. Maria Fernanda Castillo has done her dissertation on this exact subject, so she wants to highlight some facts. The goal of her research is to increase familiarity with previously ignored flute etude books and offer practical advice for their incorporation in flute pedagogy. Her paper offers historical contextualization of etude books and tables organized by time period at the end of each section to establish parallelism between etudes and standard repertoire. When we were speaking, I asked Maria to find a pairing, a food pairing, it could be anything. And she chose brownies and ice cream. I couldn't agree more. Well, then we needed to decide what was ice cream and what was the brownie. Well, let's listen to her answer. Welcome Maria Fernanda Castillo from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. I remember working on, in my, my dissertation, doing the BIM one of them caprices, that could be the uh, vanilla chocolate chip ice cream. Top of any of the early 20th century French conservatoire pieces. So Gann, Forêt, Chaminade, any of those will work with that, which is like a major part of the repertoire. But the important thing, I mean, we do 
no boom had etudes. And some professors address them. We do a lot of Anderson and these, but the important thing that I think is that the students understand the context. So Bem etudes, okay, great. When did he write those? Who was Bem? And what did he do? And at what time was he living? And what was the repertoire that he was listening to during the time? Because a lot of the things he was trying to do uh, was to show why his flute was so good. So his etudes are his way to showcase, look what my flute can do. So this is important. And you, you have to kind of see when it was written, but he was thinking of innovating. So he's, I'm sure all of his writing, his musical writing is also showcasing that. That what Bohem, um, uh, the Grand Polonaise is so uh, technical. He's showcasing the fluid abilities that he has in his mind. So his etudes also showcase that. And then his flutes also is a way for him to allow himself to, to do that. So that's, that's what I think is important and that um, we haven't done enough of, which is understanding contextualization of etudes. We do it with pieces, okay? Um, Quants and, and the Baroque period, performance practices. Um, who is Keller? Who is Jan Jan? Yeah, but let's try to also understand where they fit and then we can find the perfect pairing for them. I'd like to read just a bit from the dissertation lecture by Dr. Castillo. It's regarding Theobald Böhm, who lived from 1794 to 1881. Maria writes, Theobald Böhm was a German flutist, composer, flute maker, and teacher who revolutionized the flute industry with his mechanical innovations. After developing a performance career playing at the Royal Bavarian Orchestra in 1832, Böhm released his innovative flute, including several changes from what had been common in previous years. Aside from his job as a flute maker and innovator, Böhm also composed pieces that showcased the expanded possibilities of his instrument. His etude books served as pedagogical tools to guide flutists to the mastery of the boom system. His etudes showcase a virtuoso approach with an extended flute range, speed, and contrast in dynamics and articulation. The increased number of etudes and pieces composed for the flute during the early 20th century are evidence of the instrument's success. Moreover, different compositional approaches and etudes within a variety of modern stylistic categories from impressionism to serialism that expanded the range and variety of pedagogical tools that corresponded to innovative concert repertoire. So let's say your repertoire is foray, gone, chaminade, shall I go on? Inesco, Debussy, Gobert, Taffanel, are you playing Casella or Mouquet? 
George U, Reinecke, Bartok, Burton, or even Pifero, then try the etudes of Theobald Boehm, Paul Taffanel, Marcel Moise, Leonardo de Lorenzo, and Paul Jean-Jean. Those are great pairings. Let's talk repertoire. Boom's Grand Polonaise is very difficult, and in the middle, there is a workout. Absolutely. And so, by showcasing Boom's Caprice number 14, I think we can work on the middle part of the Grand Polonaise, which I'll play for you in a moment. I also see that the music of Jean-Jean, Paul Jean-Jean, who was an incredible clarinetist and wrote etudes. His music can serve the music of Chaminade, Inesco, Debussy, the fluid phrases. You have to remember in this music, the notes aren't methodically played like you practice them. They don't all have the same weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. They need to be fluid. Every note runs together like water and you shouldn't have the same timbre that that you have in the gesture of the phrase so make sure that in the music of Paul Jean Jean and Table Boom and Taffanel that you're showcasing some of the the letting go of the technique and the sound and then you'll do that in Georges U and Mouquet and music of Foray less is more sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
and understanding the underbelly, the light side of your tone will help you deal with the technique and the phrasing of these complicated works. I played the excerpt from The Grand Polonaise by Boom. That was Christopher Harding on piano, and we were in a rehearsal. I remember fearing for that passage every single time. I even played it in the Kobe competition. It doesn't get any easier. But etudes, they really, really help. And I think that that Boom Caprice number 14 was super helpful. So I like to have a great time with etudes. And one time I was filming the series of Kohler romantic etudes. And you can see it on YouTube. It's called the Cuckoo and the Nightingale. It's number 22 of Kohler. And I wondered, how can I sound like a cuckoo and a nightingale? So I found my ocarina, which was pitched perfectly for this etude. We handed it to my doctoral assistant at the time, Meryl Neal, and we made a video improvising. I had to play the etude, and Meryl had to be the cuckoo. Enjoy it. Thank you. 
is a workout that is a long term um, goal in a way. Uh, when you're working on repertoire with a student, you're not just working on one week, which is what you kind of do with etudes. You're uh, spending a few lessons, a few months, maybe on specific repertoire. So it would be ideal to use all of that time to do different etudes of that same time period. So you are exposing the student to different types of pieces, little pieces, which are the etudes, but that use that kind of um, performance practices and styles. Um, so I think it should be like a long-term thing instead of doing only once. Okay, if you're going to do this, then you do this one etude, okay, you're fine. It should be a, a more extensive one. And it would be great for students to just have understand what is the context of that etude instead of just knowing, oh, this is Anderson. We know Anderson is important. Garibaldi is important. Berbiguer is important. But also, who are they? When did they write this music? And then that way the students would know like, wow, Anderson wrote at the same time that maybe Tafanel wrote some of his music too. So that way when you're playing that piece and you're playing that etude, the student is kind of developing a, a mental timeline and understanding that contextualization. Let's understand right now that all those etudes that you play by Danish flutist Carl Joachim Andersen with the different levels of difficulty, <laughs> those were written for the eight-keyed flute. That was the primary instrument in the 19th century. It's been wrongly assumed that these standard etudes were composed for the boom system flute. So Andersen only performed with the eight-keyed flute, which he used all through his career. So when we're talking about the French repertoire, you're going to want to play the etudes of Boom and the ones I've mentioned, Taffanel and, and others. This Boom system flute was revolutionary. And even though it took about 80 years for flutists to transition from playing these keyed flutes to performing on the Boom system flute, this is the mechanism we use now. In fact, the clarinet, that mechanism is called the boom system because it was developed after the boom system of flute playing, not necessarily by boom himself. So understand that all those Anderson etudes, wow, they were for the eight keyed flute. Like not a lot of people have done research and highlight the fact that Anderson wrote for the AQ flute. Powell wrote about it, and then there's one dissertation that is focused on the pedagogical approach to etudes, to Anderson etudes. But this person is pairing, is saying that you shouldn't study Anderson, uh, like one, two, three, four, five, six, like just go through the book, but you should just look for the technical abilities that you're looking for, slurs, intervals, staccato, and then you can assign specific etudes to that technical ability. So that's what the one dissertation written about Anderson based on etudes. So I'm expanding that and saying that I think it's important to pair it with time context and historical context. 
brought some context to you today, busted some myths, and maybe brought a little inspiration through etudes to your French repertoire. Here's the fantasy by Georges Hou. Here I'm playing with Diane Frazier. I want to thank Dr. Maria Castillo for joining us today and bringing such great information. You can be sure she'll be invited back to talk more about etudes. Join us on the next podcast, Business 101. We'll be talking about your website. You can find out more at amyporter.com or porterflute.com. On Facebook, I'm Amy Porter Flutist. And on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, I'm Porter Flute. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you.